Money Show. Small business. Pablo Fatidi is at Auric Business Accelerator, building globally relevant and competitive industries through localization. Now, localization is interesting, and probably the most successful localization program we've seen in South Africa has been the motor industry. Pav, would you agree? I think I might agree, other than for the <laughs> fact that it is the motor inter- the motor industry. And I'll okay. tell you why, Bruce. You know, we've got these very large uh, OEM assemblers right, in South Africa, from BMW to Mercedes to uh, Nissan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what they do is an extensive program of global sourcing, and they source Tier 1 suppliers who are then supplied by Tier 2 suppliers who are then supplied by Tier 3 suppliers, and so it goes. And what it does is it creates localization at a manufacturing level at around tier four, tier three, and some tier twos. But many of the tier ones are globally owned with all the intellectual property obviously residing in their principal locations. And I think we need to do more. And the area I am most excited about around where we are going to localize, and if we build the industry around this localization program well, we honestly could, despite everything that's going wrong in the country with electricity and power, we could find ourselves as one of the leaders in the global renewable energy supply chain. Yes. And I think if we head in that direction with localization, we build it from first principles, ground up, um, we could be winners in the next three to five years, big time. Okay, then... Talk to me about how we might do this, because, you know, you don't just almost start an, in- an industry. You don't wake up one day and go, OK, hocus pocus, abracadabra, boom, we have an industry. This takes an enormous amount of planning. Absolutely. You certainly don't do it the way we've done it in the mining industry, where our localization is literally non-existent. If you think about the source of any, call it, localization program with a view to use localization to dominate one, two, three, four, five different sectors or industries globally. You've got to base it off something. And in South Africa, we've got natural minerals. We've never, we've never actually put the energy, the effort, and a strategy in play that has persisted long enough and in a stable enough fashion to allow localization and beneficiation to occur. Um, so right now, where we sit globally, everyone got a big shock from COVID. Supply chains right around the world collapsed and fell to pieces. And everyone started saying, we cannot offshore nearly as much as we do, especially in critical areas like health or food production or food processing or increasingly technology and chip manufacturing and so it goes. The other thing is that there's a very big shift in demographics around where the future skills lie. And that's been influenced very heavily by big technology trends. You know, Bruce, 10 years ago to set up a factory with capabilities that would have required an investment of 100 million rand, you can set up a similar factory with capabilities of a similar nature with an investment of 30, 40 million rand. And that's because there've been so many advances in technology in the process of manufacturing, in the process of design. So localization, I think, is waking up everywhere, everywhere. 
And it's important to understand it in terms of how a company starts, grows, and migrates through a life cycle. Exactly the conversation you were having earlier, every business has to start somewhere. And it typically starts as a tiny little business, one or two people, one person, maybe three people, maybe a family saying, we're going to kickstart a business in a particular industry. Those are fledgling businesses. They're early, early stage businesses. They're startups. And then you start to grow up. And as you grow up, you enter into a medium-sized business environment where typically you're doing around 20 to 300 million rands worth of annual revenue. From there, you migrate into a larger business and then eventually into a corporate and hopefully multinational size. And there's a truth to that process that has to be recognized by any country wanting to build an industry that it intends to localize extensively and an industry that it intends to dominate globally. Because each business at each stage offers something to create vibrancy in that, in, in that industry. And we need to understand what that specialism is because without understanding it, all the players in the industry, despite the fact that they compete with each other, government policy, banking uh, providers and lending providers, without understanding those specialisms, we can't organize the industry to localize and dominate. Yeah, uh, and it's it's just so astonishing, isn't it? I mean, that the, the complexity of what we have here. And it, I, I wish this was a Department of Trade and Industry competence, but I'm not too sure that it is. I'm not too sure where it begins to emerge from. They've got to be involved, of course, um, and want to be in charge of the process. But that's not going to get us off the ground nearly quickly enough to properly seize the huge opportunity that you've identified in renewables. You know, I'm not so sure. I'm really not so sure. I'm not so sure that that is the case because if there was some, if there was, so firstly, if we had the governing party, if the governing party was unified around an idea that South Africa can play a significant role and an important role in three or four different industries globally, and then with that, there's a whole lot of policy that can be created behind it. But all of that policy needs to begin with an understanding of business, period. When a small business starts, any startup environment, so let's look at any industry, you're going to have the startups, right? To, to get into the industry, to get activity going, you need to, you need to come up with an innovation that allows you to do what you do that's different to what's already being offered in that industry. And the role of small business is really centered around identifying a tiny little segment or a tiny little niche in that industry where it's inefficient and through the design of a new product or service, which typically is going to be led by a new innovation, you're going to be able to make it more efficient. And we need 10,000 businesses to start in the renewable energy space because by far the majority will flop and fail within the first three years. Yeah. It's a natural cycle of development. Those that then, Bruce, get to the next stage, uh, which form the mid-tier companies, those 20 to 300 million rands a year businesses, it's interesting because their specialism, their, what they have to contribute outside of that innovation 
is the opportunity to scale it up. So we started, we survived the first three years, we became a medium-sized business. Now we want to scale up significantly and we want to take that innovation and flush it into the market as hard and as fast as possible. And we are going to compete tooth and nail with all the other mid-sized companies. You then have the big businesses with the big balance sheets that can put big distribution down and can acquire that technology, acquire that business, and really bring it at a far lower cost to the entire industry or the entire market. And if you think about it, there's a certain beauty and truth in that. Startups innovate, mid-sized scale-ups, and very large businesses distribute that service to the benefit of consumers in that market. Those three levers, those three natural progressions are important to understand before you then now develop competition policy within that industry. Mm. And that competition is vital. In the very early stages, it's hard to compete because you're going to have limited resources. In mid-sized businesses, the competition becomes vicious because you have enough traction, you have enough resource, you've earned your stripes, and you want to maintain your market share. And if government policy prevents, let's call it unfair competition or agglomerative competition taking place, and if tax policy is structured to say, we're going to give tax breaks to those who invest in productive assets as opposed to unproductive assets. So for example, very large institutions investing in property, in my view, should face a different tax regime to very large institutions investing in growing businesses. Mm. Because if they invest in growing businesses and release capital and, and resources into growing businesses, it allows those growing businesses to grow and get to the levels where they can start competing not only locally, but internationally. The environment it creates there is that competition, if it's well sorted, if it's well managed, if it's fairly vicious as it ought to be, means those medium-sized businesses will then innovate further. Innovation attracts talent, because anyone interested in the renewable industry is going to want to go to that part of the world where the renewable industry is going to be most progressive. And when you have talent and competition and innovation taking place, it releases investment and it creates this virtuous cycle of competition. That's what gives us a leading edge. It's what gives us a bleeding yeah. edge. And that's how we build any industry in South Africa to lead globally and locally. And But allow it to flourish. Allow the weak to fail. Allow those that succeed to become dominant. Don't try to... You know, I, I get the sort of sense that we, we want to create billion-dollar businesses in a year. And it just doesn't happen like that. No, it doesn't. You know, it's, I've got to tell you, you know, unicorns are very sexy because they're a lot of fun to talk about. They're a lot of fun to report on. There's a lot of boast factor in it. But honestly, Bruce, what really builds an economy is, in my view, predominantly privately owned businesses, exactly the comments you were making earlier in the previous segment, privately owned businesses, where those individuals risk everything they have, invest everything they have, make the sacrifices that are necessary and are required, 
and we should back them and support them. You know, I had a discussion recently with a very large corporate that turned around and said to a supplier who's doing about 58 million rands worth of revenue, no, we're not going to give you this opportunity. You know, we're going to try and create the opportunity for some startups instead to supply us. And I look at the naivety of that statement because at 58 million rand a year, one would think, okay, that business is set. It's on its way. In actual fact, it's not. It's still a fairly vulnerable business. At 300 million a year, you're pretty much stable and solid. At 50 million rand a year, your opportunity to get to 300 million rand and, and anchor jobs, anchor innovation, anchor investment in any one industry is of far more value and use than pouring money into very, yeah. very, very early stage businesses where with respect, Bruce, like all of us when we start, still have to understand who we are before we can identify what the right direction for our companies are. We must support our mid-tiers because they have the potential to not only localize, but to come with the investment behind them to localize. And through that, to create that virtuous cycle of innovation, competition, and investment. If we could bake that into our strategy next year across three or four sectors, I honestly think we've got the talent and capability to transform this economy overnight. Pam, have a holiday. Pablo Fatidis at Auric Business Accelerator.